Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by the Maine Historical Wargamers Association. They put on the Huzzah Convention. Huzzah is happening at the Doubletree in Portland, Maine from May 19th to the 21st, 2023. Come play war games featuring epic historical battles, have fun at a sci-fi and fantasy game, or dig into some board games at Huzzah. Visit mhwa.info for more information. Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by Boston Brick Co. Boston Brick provides LEGO enthusiasts in Greater Boston with a vast selection of used and new LEGO sets, minifigs, pick-a-brick, and build-a-fig. Boston Brick buys used LEGO too. Visit www.bosbrick.com or call 781-627-7700. Welcome to War Gaming Recon. I'm your host, Jonathan J. Reinhardt. Today, we are going to be talking about a recap of a convention that was the first time for me, the first time for my buddy, Robert Dunn, and not a first time for our co-host today, who's been there many times and who helped to turn the dial a little bit to get me to say, yeah, let's go and do this thing. We're talking about Carnage, Carnage 2023, and today we're joined by the one and only Mr. Peter Saloom. Pete, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing okay. It's been a day, but it's good. Yeah, it's a good way to end it. I think so. You know, just kind of chill, relax a little bit, and who doesn't like to talk about fun things? I like to remember the fun things that I do. I, I, I'd like to do that too. My brain tends to focus on the one thing I messed up on in second grade, but you know, mm. that's how my life is. But the fun stuff is much better. Agreed. So Carnage uh, this year, 2023, it was held October 27th to the 29th at the Killington Grand Reserve in Vermont, the U.S. of A. And can we just take a moment to say how beautiful it is up there in Killington? It's like out of a movie. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, everywhere you turn, it's kind of like looking at a postcard. It's definitely uh, unique in terms of conventions go in that all the other conventions I go to, I don't think any of them are really anywhere particularly scenic, certainly not mountaintop resorts. Mm -mm. <laughs> uh, no, most of them right. are in like the business hotel beside the highway type of thing. So yeah, that's certainly a treat. The amenities there are also, I think, kind of a cut above, I guess, the other places that I attend. No, no, no shade to them, but uh, you know, not all the conventions I go to have the outdoor heated pool, hot tubs and salt that. water pool. We can't forget it's an outdoor heated salt water pool. That's, That's the first correct. time I've ever yes. seen one of those. I'll, no, you're right. I half expected uh, Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney to pop out and start uh, singing about snow. Uh, but it was, I can only imagine what it's like in season because obviously this is in between uh, leaf peeping season and snow skiing season. But when there's actual real snow everywhere, it must be even like a, a Rockwell painting. It has to be just above and Ex beyond. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's beautiful up there, except that as soon as the snow is on the ground, it is shoulder packed until oh, I bet. March. So it's a totally different vibe. When you go, the weekend that we have the event is this weird in-between scene they call it it's after the leaves have already fallen off the trees but before the snow has hit the ground and it's kind of this period of time where they have any business mm -hmm. um, 
probably why our convention is there on that week. I was uh, wondering, yeah. Yeah, there's probably a value associated with going then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's great. Cap, It's you know good for us to capitalize. No, definitely. Uh, and I know later on we want to talk a little bit more about the hotel and the uh, the vibe of the place to me was unlike anywhere I've ever been for a convention. It did not feel like being at a gaming convention. Uh, but why don't we start with talking about some of the games that we played? Okay. So you've been going for years and yep. you said something to me once that really stood out for me. Uh, you told me once privately that uh, you go to a bunch of different gaming conventions. You go uh, with some buddies of yours, but this is the one convention that you bring your family to. Yep. In part because of the setting and the uh, how it all works out, it's just extra family friendly. And I noticed that that pervaded as well in the gaming option. That oh, okay. It, it just it seemed to me in general to have a mix of people uh, across spectrums, but that there was a large or at least noticeable contingent of those of an age who have young families and i thought that was absolutely wonderful to see because you don't always see that at a gaming convention it really kind of depends on each con what they're kind of going at but i love that carnage had that there were more small children at carnage that i saw than at any other convention i've been to i think that's true i think there's more kids running around there than i see other places probably by, by a good margin um i i don't know exactly how that translates to the games that are offered um, I would kind of have to look at the event schedule and stuff, but my mm -hmm. assumption is that there are probably because of that more game offerings for young um, than you would see at maybe I would call a conventional convention. Uh, I think you're right. And actually this game, I don't want to talk about it just yet, but a game that I played in that very much fits the bill. But why don't we kind of take a moment and go back into our um, <coughs> artists, as it were, and go back to the beginning. So you were there on the thursday right am i remembering correctly yep yeah i i went up thursday this year it was it it was a week earlier than it typically is this mm -hmm. year because of just scheduling and i think because they transitioned back from mount snow back to killington yep. um so it was the weekend earlier we we go up on thursday where there's there's nothing really happening thursday except people kind of setting things up we just do that to get squared away because uh, it makes Friday a lot easier and less stressful uh, mm -hmm. when you're running games and trying to get to places on time to not have to be driving the same day. Yeah. So then on Friday, you didn't play in anything, but you ran games, right? Uh, yes, correct. I didn't play any games Friday, although I would argue that when I run games, I, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, no, you're right, though, actually. That's... <laughs> I'm not going to go down that I'm rabbit hole. I working. want you. <laughs> I really want to go down this rabbit hole right now, but that's another podcast episode right there. Uh, that is certainly you're so insightful, man. Uh, that's no, you're right. So yeah. Um, you so were playing, I ran running, working games. Correct. Slash, slash, slash. Um, I think it was one o'clock and seven o'clock. I ran mm -hmm. a savage RPG adventure. Um, they were great. They were they were fun. I had full tables. Nice. Um, everything went smoothly. No disasters. I really enjoyed the heck out of it. I hope that my the players that sat at the table enjoyed it as well. I think they did, but you always kind of never really know for sure. True. No, you're right. That's true. And I believe you said that the uh, party dynamic for each of the two parties for the two games was. Is it okay to say polar opposite? 
Um, or divergent at least. Yeah. So the, uh, the outcomes were, were, were very different. We'll say that the outcomes okay. of the, uh, the choices made by the characters, I'm going to say specifically the player. Yeah. Of course. Um, one of the groups, you know, decided to take kind of one angle and the other decided to take a very, a very different. Angle. <laughs> and that's kind of the, that's the, the thing with RPGs is you're not really sure how it's going to go to the next. They were both very enjoyable. I don't think it impacted the fun at all. It just impacted the outcome. Um, I also, weirdly enough, um, was told that the players at my second table, like four out of five of them were related to the players from my first table, which is goes back to the family thing, I guess, with the, the Carnage uh, vibe, because I guess they were some huge group of want to say like cousins and brothers or something like that and that's uh, awesome so i had a very large family group between the 10 players i had would would it be fair to say that the the ones who played in the first one or who signed up for it at least maybe had known about you had heard how much fun could be had at your events and told their other relatives that they also sign up for it or in other words to say that you're a pretty big deal floating around in the gaming world oh yeah it, it's all because i'm a massive uh, nerd celebrity. No, hey, I'm but, writing um, on your coattails, and I'm happy to do it. No, uh, my my first group, my one o'clock group, they were awesome, and I I immediately recognized almost everybody there, Ooh. and so I asked before we started, you know, why do I recognize you? I must have must have played a game with you or ran a game for you, and they confirmed. In fact, they had played in a game of mine previously. Um, at another convention, it might have been Carnage the previous year, or maybe it was. It could have been Total Con or Rising Phoenix. I, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, they were repeat players, which always makes you feel good because um, it means you did something well enough that they decided to come back. Yeah. Um, and the second group were largely, they explained it as those were their cousins and they were coming at 7 o'clock. So I think they were, I think they... Uh, maybe motivated those guys or sold them on it um, because I don't think they were for me. I think they were all new bears. So that's cool. That's great. It's somebody else doing my sales job for me. Now, I, I don't know if you tend to run this particular mission or setting or um, I, I, again, if it's going to be coming up. So I don't want you to give away things that you shouldn't, but do you want to give like the elevator pitch for generally what the different parties had to do? Uh, you mean the, uh, the specifics on the adventure? Yeah, like, oh, what was the setup for it? Uh, you know, stereotypical, you meet in a tavern and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> there was no, there was no, ta- well, actually, there was a tavern. Uh-huh. Um, so um, the adventure that I ran, I ran the same adventure for both slots. So I just repeated it one after the other, which is mm-hmm. something I kind of have a habit of doing. Um, it was called, um, it's uh, Shadows of the Sacred Hills. It's an adventure that I wrote for Savage Worlds. It takes place in a alternate U.S. Uh, Wild West history that involves, uh, you know, more elements of the supernatural like that. Um, it's largely a investigative adventure, sort of a whodunit, where do we go from here type of thing with um, some twists along the way. And, um, you know, without giving too much away, it's uh, sort of powered by the sort of the specialties of the characters that you can choose from and what they're particularly good at, as well as plays on what they're particularly bad at, which makes <laughs> for some interesting interplay and um, challenges. I think it's good, but then again, I made it up. So. And, and where can, cause I have to plug this. This is 
the the PR person. Where can people uh, obtain and purchase your adventure that you've written? They can't yet, but they will. They oh, will come be on, able dude. To. They can't yet, but and I can't I can't really oh. say too much because I I don't have anything in stone, nor do I have permission from the or license from the company to do so. Okay. Um, but things are things are starting to happen. So maybe maybe at the end of this year or in January or something, I'll have different information. For right now, if you want to learn more about adventures that I write, you should just find me on Facebook and I'll tell you everything. Or people should just sign up for your games at any gaming event you go to. Or yeah, go to the next New England convention and play. Okay, we can do that. So that was your Friday. and That was Friday. When you run a role-playing game, are you more firmly in the theater of the mind camp or do you kind of like to have more of uh people get to see and interact with physical items that are on the table? For me, it's more like what's appropriate to get the, um, the tension at the table kind of right. And it mm -hmm. also has to do with just the expectations of players. Um, I handle probably 75% of the gameplay at the table through what you would call theater of the mind. Um, but there's often need to go beyond that and get a little bit more visual for certain okay. things. And it can also help um, sort of ratchet up the tension in key, key points. So typical things I'll do is um, if there is a big uh, culmination at the end of a four or five hour adventure, I might spend more time kind of visually establishing like a game board mm. or using tap tactical maps or things like that for the big finale. And I Ooh. wouldn't, do that for all the the stuff leading up to it in the hours prior to it because it, that tends to just kind of bog play down. Um, mm -hmm. It all just kind of depends on what's necessary to to make stuff feel the way it's supposed to. No, that makes sense. So then that was your Friday, and Robert, who's not recording with us, but I know that he played in. I learned to play Star Wars Shadowpoint. Uh, that was Friday yeah. at one o'clock. He, as I recall, he said he liked it a lot. Um, and he had a lot of fun, but for him, the scale is just slightly out of what he normally plays with minis. And so that would kind of hold him back because all these Star Wars licensed games tend to do their own scales, uh, which oh, okay. makes life interesting, I believe. <laughs> so, uh, he had a lot of fun. I don't know many details about it. It's a skirmish game. It's Star Wars. Seriously, what's not to love? Uh, I walked by the Rebels. table. Yeah. I walked by the table where they were doing uh shatter point. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. the following day or something like that. And I took a look and it looked like it looked like a cool setup. Um, nobody was playing at the time that I was there. So I didn't really get to see anything that was really going on in terms of mechanics or anything. Yeah. But it's Star Wars. People are going to love it. At least True. a whole bunch of people are going to love it. So. No, you're right. Um, and then for the rest of Friday, I don't think any of us played games. That's unfortunate. Well, <laughs> I would talk about my Friday, but everyone would think I was ridiculous, which they already think I was ridiculous. Uh, but basically, I took a nap. I, I had a, an amazing dinner and then hung out with you and your crew, which was a lot of fun. That doesn't sound that terrible when you put it that way. No, but I mean, the I, I drove. No one wants to hear about my drive, which was ridiculous, uh, or that I took a uh, unattended long nap. Actually, it's like you go to a gaming convention, you take a nap. Why would you do that? Because I'm ridiculous. That's why. Uh, but Saturday, gaming was had. Why yep. do we talk about you and I? We played in a game together uh, at one o'clock on Saturday at Carnage. Carnage and San Miguel was the name of the game. It uses Devil and San Miguel roles by Bloody Scotsman Games. I have a strong affinity for 
anything Bloody Scotsman puts out because Dave Valentine, who's the owner, is a buddy of mine, but also even more so uh, because he put former co-host and dear uh, but departed friend of mine, Adrian Benson, and myself are in one of his games. Uh, so we're playable. That's amazing. Things in the game. Uh, and things are being considered behind the scenes about act- getting actual minis of us sculpted and made that people. Uh, but that's, that's awesome. for that's not for Devil and San Miguel, although I can see about if there's ever an expansion that we can find a way to work us in there. Because I think that'd be a cool Easter egg that each rendition of his games, there's a way for Adrian and myself to be in in some weird way. I think would just be kind of fun. Uh, that'd but be cool. We, we played that. Mark McKinley was the GM. He does a yep. lot of. Uh, games both for Trilateral, which excuse me is another amazing company, another great uh, sci-fi kind of gaming setup, and also for uh, things that Bloody Scotsman games do. Mark knows the rules really well. I thought he was an amazing GM. Uh, actually, my first time ever playing a game that he ran. Um, was this your first experience with any of these Bloody Scotsman games type stuff? This was my first experience with all of that. So it was my first time that I'm aware of anyway, playing any game by Bloody Scotsman. It was mm-hmm. the first time I ever met Dave, who I, I met after, uh, I just happened to meet after we played that yeah. game. And he was super nice and seemed, you know, like genuinely um, appreciative that people were playing and talking about his game. Um, it was the first time I ever played a game with Mark, who was our GM. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought also that he did a, fantastic job in you know facilitating everything and explaining it and also his table i found out he did all the work to put yep. together the scenery that which is wild west for people who aren't aware of it um and it was i mean people were stopping to take pictures and ask questions it was really eye-catching beautiful table um full of uh i believe things from the basement uh yeah buildings and then other terrain and stuff that he had built it's really cool yeah so devil in san miguel is a role set and basically, it kind of builds off of what happened here in Massachusetts way, way back during the witch hysteria in Salem. And so it takes the uh, Mathers and the, I'm blanking on the other name, and people will crucify me for this, and rightly so, uh, blah, 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 families. And they kind of progress through time. And mm-hmm. so Devil and San Miguel puts them in the Wild West, as it were, but with a, like a what-if kind of take on it. So... The Cthulhu uh, mythos is a real thing in this. And you have aliens and you have actual witches and witch hunters. And so one side takes the role of the witches and you have a warband kind of skirmish set up. And the other side takes the uh, role as the witch hunters. And each character has special abilities that they can do. There's cards that you play. So it's kind of a card driven mechanic, I guess you could say, uh, where you can either like alter abilities or you can get special saves or blocks or uh, things you're looking for. And in this game, the goal was we had to find, um, were they like relics or we had to find things? Scrolls, I think. Yes, you're right. Thank you. And whoever ended up with, it was either six or eight scrolls, could summon the great demon to come and you won and so forth. And each side started off with two and then you had to find the others that were hidden and take control of them and, Crazy things happen. Meanwhile, you have basically cowboys who are trying to shoot up each other, and there's NPCs and unexpected things happen along the way. That's I think pretty. It's a fun game. Uh, that made it sound insane, but it but the premise is it insane. is insane. Um, and that makes it really fun. There were also cactuses that would reach out and tentacle oh, you and slap you around, and <laughs> and there were NPCs running all over the place that you could 
um, pause in the middle of a gunfight and have a conversation with and see if they wanted to help. Yes, you could. I did that. So a lot. there was a lot. There was a lot going on. Um, six players too. So there's like a lot of um, voices and then the M- NPCs and so yeah. There was a lot to pay attention. And- yeah, uh, and you were on the side of the witch hunters, and I was on the side of the witches. So this was the first time right. you and I had ever played a game together, which was pretty cool. Yeah, you, it was awesome. I didn't you kept do on so shooting well. at me. Well, I tried. It's not, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> and yeah, that was not your fault. Uh, we did not do so well either on my side, which was also complicated. Uh, <laughs> but if that's for the after hours episode. Um, yep. So. You know, but I I really admired that you came out swinging at me right away, and I I like that. I I didn't realize it was you shooting at me, but I should have. Hey, you know, I I I wasn't picking on you. I had you know I I had the little figure that had the long rifle, and you, you walked in front. Just yeah, I was kind of an idiot. Goes. I yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna go up these stairs and move my pig up there, completely in the open. Didn't pay attention to what was around, and next thing I hear, you're getting shot. Who is shooting me? Who's nearby? <laughs> and then I look and I see your mug across the table. Oh, okay, so that's what's going on. Uh, no, but a lot of fun, and I think it ended in a draw. Is that how we went with it? Uh, I believe officially that my team uh, cried uncle at kind of the last turn when we were probably you know ten minutes from our time anyway, and it was pretty clear we. Oh, we weren't either, though. So, I mean, we were slightly ahead, but we were pretty bloodied. It was... I think the NPCs won this one. They were... Well, because all these aliens showed up and were just wrecking havoc. Yeah. That's half the fun, but it was like, oh, my goodness, there's more of them. And now there's another one. Yeah, it's never good when the aliens show up, you know, around the well in the Wild West. No. I mean, it's bad enough when they show up and they blow up the White House. So You don't want them doing this either. That's that's problematic. It is pretty problematic. So while we were playing this, Robert was playing some battle tech, Alpha Strike Battle at Calf or Cave. I'm sure I'm ruining it. And he loves himself some battle tech, and battle tech drives me insane. Uh, but I know he had a, a fun time playing with it. So I saw tra- the table. I saw the table. I, I believe that was the table with all the hex. I think so. Yeah, uh, terrain all over it. And I always think that that table looks really cool. Um, and I've never, I've never been involved. I don't know, how, I don't know how to play. Um, but I, but I do know that they always have a crowd. They always have players. It must be fun. The folks that are running it must know what they're doing because they're at every convention I go to with mm-hmm. the same or not the similar, you know, setup going on. So I think they're doing good things over there. I wish I could comment more. Not something I've had a chance to take a look at. Just from my end, I'll say I know it's an old school game that people love. And one of the things I think people love about it, which is also the reason why it drives me crazy, is there's like too many charts and too many things you hit and you got to see where exactly on the arm you hit. And did you hit in this joint or did you hit in that? And there's four points here. You got it in this. No, thanks. I mean, some people love it. Power to you. Play the game. Have fun. For me, I will watch and say, hey, that's cool. Take a picture and I'll move on my way and go get shot up by you, Pete, in um, Wild West. Yeah. So you're saying it's just too crunchy for you. Yeah. I mean, so for me. Gaming is an excuse to spend time with other people. And Mm -hmm. I love to game, but I want to play as many different games as possible because I want to have opportunities to meet as many different people as possible and spend as much time with other people as possible. And if I'm focused on which finger joint got shot at, I'm going to be thinking about that instead of thinking, hey, this person over here is pretty neat. I want to talk with them sometime. Mm, Valid. That's valid. I think it depends what you're in the mood for. I mean, if if you want to be to really lean into the tactical, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that can be really fun. Um, 
and I think you can have fun with buddies and meet people and still be doing the tactical thing uh, to some ex- to some extent. But you're right; it's it's all the flavor and the vibe that you're in the mood for at that particular. Um, yeah, totally. And I'm just I'm odd, so I'm okay with that. That too. Uh, yeah. That- well, I mean, it's true, right? So then, after we had our um, complicated adventure in San Miguel, uh, you went off and you played in a Dominion tournament, right? Uh, at seven o'clock. Yep. Yeah. So seven o'clock Saturday. Every I kind of every year I play Saturday at seven in the okay. Dominion tournament at Carnage. It's sort of I've been doing it since the first time I got there, and it's always kind of the highlight of the weekend. To be honest, it's it's super fun. So, That's cool. Um, and we had a great time. We had I think we had twelve players this year, which is a little on the small side, but still good it's you know three tables of people playing at once so it's it's groups of four and we played i think we played three rounds and then the final is how we and so that was fun um michael runs it he's been running it since i've been going there and he's a great guy and he does a Mm -hmm. lot of work to keep it going and he has such a good attitude he's just super nice person that i wouldn't otherwise have met if i wasn't you know attending carnage and things like that he also goes to all the other conditions. So I see him around, you know, he does, yeah. three, four times a year. I see him places. <laughs> For those who don't know, what is Dominion? Oh, Dominion is a, a deck building uh, card game. Um, like magic? Not like magic. Um, well, I mean, like magic in that there are cards that you play on a table, try to win, but um, deck builders are uh, typically, they're not customizable the way magic is. They don't involve, the collecting aspect like magic does there's no rarity i guess is a big way to distinguish Mm -hmm. between them um you can buy you know the dominion card game and it comes with all the same cards in every box there's no random and um the randomness comes from what cards you particularly use in that one game you right so it comes with many cards maybe 50 different cards that you can choose from, but you're only going to put 10 on the table each game. So it's, uh, oh, wow. and that, okay. that can be randomly determined um, at the start of each round. That's what Mike does. He puts it on the screen. He says, those are the 10 cards everybody's going to use. So that kind of keeps it even across the board as far as like competitiveness goes. And mm-hmm. uh, then you go from there and deck builders. Um, if listeners are not fami- familiar with deck building games, there are many of them. And basically what you do is you're drafting cards every turn into your deck to try and make your deck optimized and better than yours. So sort of a game of efficiency and taking the the quickest path to victory is sort of the way you have to, your brain has to work successful in deck building. And so how did the tournament go for you? I don't want to talk. (laughs) It's because you're just, you're so modest. No, I I did not win for the third year in the row. Sorry. It's really mean of me to laugh. Who has won for the last three years. So there's this great guy named, I believe his name is Corey. I hope I don't get that wrong. Um, he shows up every year um, and he easily beats everybody there, which is super fun. Um, <laughs> and he's a super nice guy. And uh, that it makes it worse. Make it, no, it makes it better. It makes it better. I make it, you know, to the final table pretty much every, every year. And then I, for some reason, just can't can't push it that extra step so i guess i'm gonna have to put in my hours between now and next year just practicing online or something do my rocky montage of dominion training <laughs> so i can go back there and vindicate i want to see that yeah that would be awesome uh no but i mean um win or lose it's just fun there's just 
I, I see people there that I only ever see there. Like there's people I sit across from that I now mm-hmm. recognize because I've played against them for, you know, five or six years. And the only time I ever see them in my life is at this Dominion tournament. And I go like, hey, I remember you. You're that lady from here. And and they go, yeah, I remember you too. How are you? You know, and that's like really our only connection in the world. That's nice, uh, but though. It's nice. It, yeah, it's nice because we all have this common interest. Uh, you know, Dominion's an old game too. It's been around like I think I, I don't know exactly, but it's, it's, been it's a while. an old game. So people have played it for years and years and years, and it's fun and it's not cutthroat really or anything like that. There's really no bad fear or anything like that. So it's a it's a great time. Um, what when you win the tournament, do you win anything? Bragging rights? Do you get like your name on a plaque or how does it work? No name on the plaque, although that's a great suggestion. No giant trophy. Um, so usually what's up for grabs is a carnage play mat. Uh, oh, that's so, cool. Uh, a nice play mat with the, whatever that year's art is, which this year it was really some really cool, like grim reaper uh, type of uh, type art on the mat. Um, so you get that and you get bragging rights for the next year. And uh, yeah, you'd have to ask Corey more about that because he's kind of used. To- <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Uh, but you're right. Dominion has been around a while. Came out in 08. Uh, and it oh, was. Wow. I thought it was older than that. According to Wikipedia, which you know, because any of us can edit it, so it may or may not be accurate. But it was the first deck building game and inspired the whole genre as the Cormac game. I think. I think that's true. I, I think that's accurate. And it was voted best game of the fair at Spiel in 08 and won all sorts of awards in the following years uh by 2017 so this is old but by 2017 more than 2.5 million copies of the core game and expansions have been sold yeah there's That's many expansions yeah yeah the core set is all you need to play but there's got to be 15 expansions that are available that just add different options different mechanics different angles different victory conditions some of it gets rather complicated so you don't really need all of it Mm -hmm. um but you can kind of go as as deep as you want to cool uh and i would imagine this is a game since it's so popular people could still pick up at their friendly local game store right i think so i see it all the time uh i the core set the second edition core set i think is available you know most local game stores i mean they might even sell it at some bigger places bigger chains i'm not 100 sure it's a very popular game you can probably buy the core set for, I imagine, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. It's not incredibly expensive. And for the fact that it gives you everything you need to play for four players, it's pretty pretty good. It's also a game that mechanically takes about five minutes. To play. Oh, I like that. We had a person show up who was our 12th player this year, and he had never played before. And we taught him how to play in the first round, and he made it to the final table. That's so, so cool. Um, you know, I think he was kind of a card game-oriented person, you know, um, but even so, you know, prior to the fact, but uh, it just shows that you know you can you can learn the mechanics to get through your turn and get through the game very, and then you can spend years and years trying to get. That's awesome, and you're right about the pricing. Uh, at least online at some big box online stores who don't really need our business, but we give it to them anyway. Uh, it's thirty eight dollars and fifty six cents. Yeah, that's a weird price. I guess I know who you're looking at, um, <laughs> and um, but it's totally worth that that's a that's a good price I, but definitely worth it in my opinion if i was better at what i would do i would tell people to go there and buy it and use our affiliate link because the money helps the show it helps us to keep going but do that I, and then i would rather you play. go to your local game store and buy a copy there, and, and then for whoever's listening play and then 
go to Carnage next year in November and keep your Saturday night at seven o'clock clear and come see me and I'll get you going in the tournament and you'll have a ball. And then you'll own them and end up at the final table again. I don't want to I jinx mean, it, but hope knock on wood, hoping. dude. I'm hoping. Hopefully, but new players always do. Beginner's luck is a It is a thing, isn't it? They'll probably all in all. <laughs> you know what? If it makes you feel better, sometime I will play I Lose It Everything. And so you can get a little up from that. Yeah, I would love to get our numbers back to like the pre-COVID numbers where we had like 20 and 20 players and stuff. It was just nice. the atmosphere was like really chaotic, but in a good way um, when, when we had that. And I'd love to get, you know, next year, I definitely want to see like 16. Would love- I've been at many a Friday Night Magic where the numbers are high or at Magic Tournament. Not playing, but observing. I mean, I don't play Magic anymore. And the atmosphere is amazing. It's electric, really. And so it's, it's great when you have one of these things and there's a lot of people who are really into it know what they're doing they're welcoming and they just want to have yeah. fun and you can you just feel it it's palpable yeah i would say coming from a card game background i would say that the dominion atmosphere at least at carnage which is the only place where i play this um mm-hmm. is extremely laid back like there is nobody there who at all concerned um i i don't really um you know yeah. serious um whereas the magic thing for me People people need to win at Magic. Let's just let's just say that. And it's nothing against Magic players. I I recovering Magic player, um, but you know it's very competitive. Even the no, casual draft nights are very competitive. They are. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely a different, uh, even more relaxed vibe than that. They have it like this year. They had it at it's called the Snowshed Building cafeteria. Uh, yeah. There and it's just in the yeah it's just in this cafeteria. We just take over some tables. Um, very cat. It was so laid back. I walked by it half a dozen times and I didn't realize it was happening. Well, we didn't have that many players. We only had 12 players. So no, no, but I saw people there. I thought, oh, how nice people are just hanging out. And I didn't realize like here's where the tournament is. And so when you told me that's where you were, I thought, seriously? (laughs) Did I I walked past it? I don't remember. But it's because you're just also laid back. Yeah. That's what's great about it. It's it's I'll I'll try to never miss it. You know, if if I, I think it's one of the better events uh at the convention there's lots of the better ones that you could spend your saturday night doing there's definitely worse things you can do like take a nap um yep you could you could do that while you were playing dominion i was like 20 feet away from you uh in the other part of snowshed and i was playing in captain benson versus hang high raiders which is a open world minis game uh mike payne puts on uh he does everything said in like 1920s uh, Shanghai, which he calls Hanghai. It's very pulpy. And he just kind of themes each game a little bit differently that he runs it. But one of the things that I adore about his games is that he always, and he puts it in the description because he wants people to know, he is dedicated to making sure that this whole tabletop gaming hobby continues on and he's dedicated to nurturing it for the next generation and generations after of gamers. So he always puts in that his games are for kids and for people who can play well with kids, because there is a difference for that. Sure, sure. And so his idea for this game was going to be uh, a little more adult for him, which is saying it's going from like PG to PG-13, which is not really adult at all. Uh, and But there were some kids who were on the little bit younger side who signed up for it. So we scaled it back down a little bit. Uh, and remove some of the like opium references and stuff. So, I mean, you don't really want sure. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it was fun. So everyone plays a different character. You kind of get your own little war band 
and you get to go and explore around and you can interact with anything on his table. There's crates and boxes and you get them and you can turn them in for uh, like in-world currency or you can then uh, use that to get a chance to try to get an artifact. And every artifact is just a card that has a name on it and you can do almost anything you want with it. So you try whatever you like, uh, doesn't matter how crazy it is, and he'll let you know, almost like in an RPG, he'll let you know how likely it is. What is your DC? What is your difficulty check? Everything's D10 based. You roll zero to four is a success, um, and you see how it goes. And maybe you get to do the thing you wanted. Maybe you don't. Uh, in this game, I got to play as my buddy Adrian. So things in the basement after Adrian had passed, they made the USS Adrian Benson Exploratory Submarine for right, Victorian... It is. I have it just over here. I'm looking at. Um, it's a great model. It's beautiful. And Mike Payne bought one. He painted it up. I should say, if anyone buys one of them, that uh, things from the basement makes a donation to. I believe it's uh, esophageal uh, cancer research to try to help find a cure. Uh, and that's the cancer that had uh, killed Adrian. But Mike had this, and then Mike also had. I don't know where he got it, but he got this really cool 28 mil miniature. Uh, and he called it Adrian. And so I got Adrian and his submarine and uh, a buddy of Mike's uh, around the same time Adrian passed. A buddy of Mike's uh, lost their dog who they had loved for ages. So Mike had a mini of the dog. So Adrian and this dog, Bullet, they rode around in the submarine, went exploring and doing their own thing. And uh, it was a lot of fun. The kids who were playing, I, I found whenever kids play these games of Mike, uh, they just like to shoot at each other because that's a, I don't know, it's a kid thing that's to do. a okay yeah, and so they do it, uh, not like literally shooting a gun at each other, but their characters, minis are going at it. Uh, and after a while, the kids always are like, we're done. And that's cool. So then they can go and everyone who's left plays. And Mike and I just kind of sat there. And uh, by turn two or three, the players are running the game themselves. Mm. Is really what it is. Uh, you have a deck of cards. that Each has the name of the character. And that's your order sequence. And then everyone just kind of goes, you go rapid fire. What do you want to do? How far can you move? Do you take control of this truck? Do you go in the building? Do you get a dragon or whatever? So someone was playing and they were all cats and dogs because why not? And so they went exploring. There was a dog driving um, a, a red truck and there's ships that can do stuff and just a variety of things. It's really cool. And we just hung out for the time and it was a blast. A lot of pictures from it and it can run in the absurd because it really is whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, later on in the game, the last remaining kid decided that they were going to be like a kid and try to take on everyone else and didn't enjoy it when things didn't go their way. And it's an unfortunate lesson that almost everyone has to learn in life, I think. And the child was given another chance. And then they did the same thing again. <laughs> you think they would have learned the first time. I was like, please don't. Just please. We're, we're trying. We, we want to make this a good experience for you, buddy. But, you know. And the kid just kept going after some other players. And the players are really nice about it. They're like, we have these artifacts. We're doing this, this, and this. So you can't shoot. You don't have bullets. You can't attack us. You can't do this. Just oh, play the game. And they were doing it in a really nice way. They're trying to, and uh, then the game ended. We're like, okay, we're done. It, it was fun. It should be said for your listeners who don't go to these conventions in our area, which I assume some, that uh, Mike is like kind of a legend, I think, at, at these. Uh, conventions he's i don't think he would be insulted by me saying he's kind of an old timer and mm. um that he has a presence and he's kind of a character and um you know he wears a like a captain's hat or whatever it is that you know around the the gaming hall and his yep. table his table uh is 
a signature table. You know it's his, whether he's standing near it or not. It has no less than you know, 150 various eclectic pieces of terrain and models. And it's like eight or ships. ten feet long at least. Yeah, ships and bridges and buildings and mountains. And I, yep. you know, I'm missing a whole bunch of stuff, but it's it's absolutely a signature piece of the New England Gaming Convention Miniatures Hall is the hang high table and Mike uh, lording over it and always having a bunch of people over there. And, um, he didn't make it to a couple of the, the recent ones in, in years past. And it was, yeah. uh, it was definitely like he was missed. He was totally missed at those. And I'm, I'm glad he's back and hitting them up and I'm hoping to see him. I'm assuming in February at the next one. And uh, yeah, I think he's a great guy and the stuff he's, you know, you say he's, you know, you mentioned the being very open to, bringing in kids over to the game table, which not every GM is open to because it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Oh, it is. Um, his table is built to like attract kids to it for sure. When you it walk is. in, if you're a kid, if you're eight years old and you walk in and just kind of take a scan around the miniatures hall, that's going to just stand out to you right away and probably draw you into its orbit pretty quickly. So good on him for everything he does. I think he's a, a hero. I, I'm glad you're saying these things because he hates when I say it, but I refer to him as a superstar GM. He's one of the best game masters I've ever come across in my life. I've never played a game with him. Uh, I I have no reason to doubt you because you need he's to. just got such a track record. Um, I just always see him over there having great interactions whenever I walk by. I'm always over there taking pictures of stuff that's going on. So it, it's inevitable. It'll happen. I'll get in there. No, you will. Yeah, I met him my first time going to a gaming convention, and we just clicked, and it was amazing. It was great. Yeah, the first time I ever went to – no, the second time I ever went to Carnage, um, I wanted to build a, a kind of a fancy terrain table, and I spent, I don't know, 100 hours mm -hmm. building a fancy terrain table, and I brought it, and I ran my game. And I remember when I had it all set up, like the first day, he came over and introduced himself and asked all about what I was running, what, what the deal with it was, how'd you make this, just all the type of stuff these guys talk. And I remember him being super nice. And, you know, after that, I think, I think that's when we, we linked up on social media, which is, you know, a good mm -hmm. way to keep in touch with these people between events and things. So we've been social media friends ever since. And uh, yeah, it's inevitable that one day I'll get involved uh, yeah, in the real. He genuinely cares about all the other gamers, what they're doing, and that people have a good time and have fun. Yeah, you can see it. He's authentic, and not everyone is, but Mike is absolutely great. Uh, that was the last game I played at Carnage, because I didn't play anything on Sunday. Yeah, I never play anything on Sunday. It's, you know, maybe one day I will or something, but I, I, by that point Sunday, I'm just kind of like spent, and you've yeah. got a long drive ahead of you, and you've got a hotel room to vacate and children to pack into cars and things yes. like that, so it's it's just better to... You know, count your blessings and head on home at that point. We are leaving out one thing that we had done, though, uh, together. On Saturday oh, yeah. morning, I made you get up early. <laughs> and Robert, you and I, we went to the roundabout room, which I had no idea what it was going to look like. I was a little disappointed it was not round. But yeah, with a name like that, I expect it to be round. I just got to say it. And we did a live podcast recording. Yeah, that was How fun. Was was how was it for you um it was great i mean uh i always don't know what to say you know at these things but it's, really it's really nice to not know what to say with other people proximity of you a new a new version of it yeah. um so so it was great it was also uh 
first first time uh, that I did anything with Robert. Mm-hmm. It's really cool and has a, obviously a ton of knowledge. Oh, he's super on, smart on some some of these things, which is great to. Learn. And uh, aside from the technical difficulties that we had getting running, I, I that think was on uh, me. everybody did great. Um, no, it wasn't on you. It was on you know whatever was going on with your recorder there. Or whatever. And you didn't you didn't make us get up that early either. What time was it that we did that? Ten o'clock. Ten. Well, after the night yeah. before, I mean, we were all up pretty late. That was yeah, rough. but ten. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was early. I guess it was early. Well, I early mean, for early for me is is many hours earlier than that. I mean, I <laughs> hey, like you, I I have small children, so I but like yeah. normally I'm not up that late because I don't even remember that, what time it was, but we were it was late for me. Yeah. That is true. That that's true. You d- you tend to stay up later. At- yeah, I I think so. Yeah. Um, I've learned not. Don't do eight o'clock stuff. Some cons things start at eight. I'm like, no, we're not doing eight. I did that. I'm too oh, old yeah. for that. There's stuff. eight o'clock time slots at all these conventions we go to. I've <laughs> I have done them. Um, I might do them again in the future, but it seems honestly, it seems better to use that time to do all the other convention stuff mm-hmm. and then and then kind of hit your one and your, your one and your seven o'clock typical slots. Uh that seems to work out better for me. No, no, I, I'm definitely at that phase in life where I can't do the early morning thing. I know I'll come back to it as I get, you know, much older. And I'm sure there's some people who do the eight o'clock and the one o'clock and then skip the seven. And I are think sort so. of on the opposite, the opposite, uh, you know, schedule uh, as what we're talking about, and that that seems fine too. No, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you need to have a break somewhere. Um, the difficulties with the tech difficulties, though, completely was me. But I didn't even realize. I thought it was turned on. So oh, I have Lord. this. I have this really fancy, or to me, it's really fancy uh, digital recorder. It's a Zoom H6. I picked it up a while back with money from our first Kickstarter that all of you were very generous and supporting. We were a Kickstarter staff pick, uh, which was humbling. And I still don't know why they did that but they did and we did very well and so we were able to up our equipment because equipment's expensive and mm. this was the first time using it with more than two mics and so i put all these mics in and the mics we use you clip to your t-shirt they call the lapel mic but they need power to run and so the device can give them power but you need to tell the device which mics you're giving power to and i thought i had it set to turn them all on for power I had them set for just the first two to have power. And so I, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, everything's working. Why is it not working? Uh, and later on, I reached out to uh, a buddy of mine. He's a great game designer, industry guest at TotalCon, Peter Bryant. And he has um, one of these. And he just he knows all this stuff better than I do. Uh, I just I show up and I talk. Uh, and he knows how all this works and he makes sure I, I don't make it too big of a fool of myself. And he's like, did you turn the power on? I said, I put the batteries in, I plugged it in, of course the power's on. No, the, for the mic, the mic was working. He, what are you talking about? And he goes, no, no, no. For all the mics, I had that turn on. Well, you just check for me. Okay, so we're texting and I'm taking pictures. Like, look, I did the thing. And, and then sure enough, I did not do it. So I apologize. It happens. That. Uh, but the plus side is with this device you can also just plug it has these other mics that you can just plug in the end and it gets all of us so that's what we did and the audio was actually really good for that money well spent i just listened to the uh episode this morning oh what do you think of it because i I never listened to any of them well i went into it worried that we weren't going to be able to hear ourselves because of the issues that you're mentioning and i could hear everybody so whatever the technical problem was it didn't really prevent us from 
getting it done. Well, I want to give mad props to Joshua, our audio guy. Uh, he's a genius and a wizard. And anytime he makes me sound half decent, uh, tells you he has a lot of talent there. And so he just fixed that, made it go. Uh, but I thought we had a good time, right. good conversation. Uh, that episode's already come out, so people have listened to it about uh, Minis Agnostic Rules and Tabletop Gaming. Uh, yep. That was a lot of fun. And yeah, we could have went cool. longer, I think. Oh, I'm sure. You got to save something for next time, right? Yeah, we got to keep some in the bank, right? Can't give them, give them all of it at once, right? Keep them wanting more. And so we've talked about the games we played, the stuff that you've run. We yep. talked a little bit about the hotel. I want to mention, correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't think we mentioned that Robert played in a Blade Runner RPG oh, on no, you're right. Saturday. Yes. Um, run by our friend Jake. Ran a bunch of Blade Runner, like, like 20 hours of Blade Runner or something. Over How the does he do that? There. Is he just insane? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the answer. Okay. Yep. Jake, yeah. you're nuts, man. And I love you for it, but geez, take a break, dude. He's a stud. He's just a, a just a RPG <laughs> running stud. Actually, I went around. I went around when he was uh, GM in the game that Robert was playing in, and I took a picture of him because he was so present in the game that he was. That was the only reality for him at that time. And I thought, how amazing is it that he can do that? How great of a gift that is he's giving to his players and that I hope they all appreciated it. And I'm sure they did. But that I realized in seeing that, that that's what actors refer to uh, when they have a really great scene partner. And I thought, oh, this is it. I, I know it is because you could feel it. And amazing. And his game just looked out of this world. Yeah, he'll love to hear that. He's a recovering theater kid. Um, oh, so, that explains a lot. Yeah. Okay. So when he gets to, um, you know, when he gets to run these things, he gets that that outlet, that dramatic outlet as well, and it's uh, really engaging and exciting for his players, and it gets them going, and kind of brings out certainly the extroverts around the table, but also the uh, the others as well a little more. And other um, people like me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all all types, all all sort of kind of energy levels and things like that. But yeah, he's great. Anybody listening who hasn't had a chance to play in one of Jake Babineau's games, uh, you should do. It'll be time well spent. I, just from what I saw, I have to agree. And from what, after the game, uh, Jake talked about it a little bit with all of us. And Robert talked about it a little bit. And it just it sounded amazing. Partly from like the makers of the RPG, what they've done with it. But also yeah, J Jake, Jake's skill and experience and doing it and clearly he's had really good players at carnage because i think that just elevates the whole experience you all build off one yeah. another i have been lucky enough to play in that particular game um with jake running it and it's one of the best i've ever played um jake does a great job also the the game is published by free league and it's just like the production value is through the roof yeah um, it is so it's just it's very good all around it, beautiful beautiful game great props yep. that are in there and yep. I, for me personally, I love Blade Runner, great setting, and I can imagine it being a blast to play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for catching that because I would have hit myself afterwards, been like, how could I go past that? That's such a. Well, what I do is I, I pay attention to, I use uh, Microsoft to do, and I keep. Oh, that's smart keep, of you, dude. Uh, keep track of the show notes. And I it, review it's them very, as... you know, someone has to rein me in because I'm just a crazy wild force. Yeah, somebody has to be in charge here. It's not going to be me, clearly. <laughs> Not only do I dress like a four and a half year old, clearly I act like one. It's all good. I I, I like it. It could be absolutely worse than that. Um, so those are the games we played, right? 
or am I that, missing out on another one? That's that's everything. Okay. I swam I swam in the pool. That was another game I played. I swam in the pool. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know Robert did that. He can go to the pool. He made a friend yep. with someone. He was uh, in the pool in the hot tub, and uh, he was just like making new friends, which is really cool. So I, yeah. I think he did that while I was napping one day, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could tell totally different people. I, you yep. might you say recovering theater kid for Jake. I, I am. I don't think I've ever recovered from it, but I'm crew. I'm the one behind the scenes saying, "Do we hear them okay? Go. Let's open the curtain. <laughs> Pretend they don't see me." I'm not here. Uh, actually, one of the things I did, and I don't know if you had a chance to do this, but I made a point to check out the vendor halls. There were more than one, yes. which confused me at first. Yep. It's uh, so because you and I played and anyone else who had played in the um, Devil and San Miguel game, we all got a 10% off coupon for things in the basement. Yeah. And yeah, it was cool because it was laser cut printed on MDF. I did not use mine. I have it and I'll use it at some point. Or not, yeah, or whatever. I, I didn't use it while I was there, but I'm I'm thinking about using it. I thought it was a really cool way to do it, though. It was, you know, obviously came from Shin Process, where it was a little laser engraved MDF or something. Yeah, it. Uh, so I went after uh, we played, and I was just kind of looking around and chatting with all of them because I know all of them. And someone, did we get buttons for playing in the game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yes. Uh, yeah, because I went and I was giving Dave Valentine a hard time about it. I was like, when did you get buttons? How come I didn't know about this? Why don't you tell me you have buttons? Because I'll promote the bleep out of that stuff for you. And then next thing I know, he's like, well, I don't know. You wanted a button. And so then things from the basement comes over. York comes over, hands me a button. <laughs> he's like, here you go. I got a button and a dice. And Robert was with me. So Robert got a button and a dice. And then uh, Tim Colonna from Carolina comes over. He goes, I got buttons too. You want buttons? So everyone's giving me these buttons. I'll put them on my lanyard. And then I, I, wow. I had to take a selfie and be like, look at all these buttons you can go buy. Check these people out at your next con. And um, then I found out, of which I got to work with them, but um, be able to work with things in the basement. Uh, York and his wife, uh, we're going to, I can reveal it now. We're going to be having Wargaming Recon buttons come out at some point. Oh, that cool. People will be able to have. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. I was like, I like buttons now. Uh, so it's, it's a button fun. trend. Jump on yeah. the button trend. Hey, I'm four years old. So uh, anything shiny. And then I went to the other vendor hall and they just had all sorts of really cool artists and things in there. Did you get a chance to check that one out? I went to both, looked at everything. Um, I think you could find just about anything you were looking for uh, between mm -hmm. all the vendors that were there. There was unique stuff. There was gifts. There was obviously tons of games. I saw art. I saw anime. I saw models. Dice upon dice upon dice. Um, all that type of stuff. So yeah, it was great. Plenty, plenty of you, stuff. Did you see the super expensive dice that looked gorgeous? Um, you know, I saw dice that looked really beautiful and looked like they were made of stone or something. And I didn't see the price, and I knew that I didn't want to. Yeah. Oh no, they're like two hundred fifty bucks for the yeah, dice. Right. Beautiful, I'm sure, worth I'm, every penny. I, I think they're worth every penny. I'm sure they are. Uh, yeah, but like I said, I looked at them and said, wow, those are way fancier than I am. <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, I I looked and I kind of kept on walking. And later on, Robert said to me, so did you see the really expensive dice? I said, yeah, I made the mistake of looking at a price. And they're beautiful, but I knew I had to keep walking. But uh, I was excited. I saw Games by a B was there. Uh, they were over in one of the corners. And I've seen them at Total Con. Uh, they're a great vendor. They make fantastic uh, dice trays and they do these kind of cool dragon scale chainmail sort of thing which is amazing and then i picked up some um they weren't i think they were crocheted uh animals uh, there was a vendor doing crocheting stuff also the different that. creatures yeah. and so i picked up some 
octopi i think but they had cthulhu and a bunch of other stuff it was, it was just awesome and uh chatted with them for a while i think that's my favorite thing about the vendors it's kind of like going to a farmer's market you go and you just kind of get to talk to the people make connections yep. and learn about the stuff so that's yeah, pretty absolutely. cool do you have a highlight or your favorite thing from the convention this year and you don't have to say it was meeting <sighs> me it's okay well, meaning you was certainly well. I, I think the highlight for me is just the general vibe of Carnage. It is different than the other conventions I go to. Not that the other conventions aren't excellent. They they really are. But there's just some vibe about Carnage that is just more, for some reason, relaxed and family-oriented yeah. and casual uh, and social mm. uh, in addition to the gaming component. Whereas the other conventions I go to, I think, are obviously just a very, very strong quotient of just the gaming focus, which is great. It's awesome that in no way is it supposed to be disparaging to them. Uh, there's just this unique vibe about Carnage that I don't think uh, you get anywhere else. And I've told lots of people that, and I think a lot, a lot of people agree with that. It's sort of a unique. No, I no, you're right, because I, I was telling people about it. Uh, my wife was asking what it was like, and I said, so it's a convention that doesn't feel like a convention. It feels more as if people went away on vacation and then decided, hey, we're all here. Let's play some games together mm. and hang out. And I was like, I kind of like that. It, it didn't feel like a con because everything was spread out. So you could actually be in the main hotel and have no idea a convention was going on. Yeah, it, it never seemed packed. Um, speaking of that, I talked to, uh, his name is Josh, who's one of the folks that organizes this. Yeah, he's he did tell me a area. little bit about numbers. I think he said they were just um, under... 750 attendees wow um this year i don't know what to compare that to like i don't know if that's up or down he described it as a good year um over 400 events um were listed so that also seems impressive to me um when you think about just you know the amount of table time and stuff like that that it takes to run a handful of events um next year they're going to be back at killington they already announced it um Mm -hmm. it's going to be november 1st through 3rd which is the historically the the weekend that they usually do it we were off by a week uh, okay. this year so that's the scoop from straight from the source that's cool yeah i i mean i have nothing to compare that to for them because this was my first time going but that's a lot of people no matter what you want to say that's a lot i think that's pretty cool yeah uh i just i i had a blast just meeting people and getting to see what it all was about that was kind of cool and i I this is gonna sound awful, but this is actually for me a huge plus. A being there felt as if a real life murder mystery could have happened, and I love me some classic murder mystery. Uh, you know, Downton Abbey kind of vibe to it because it had like the great fireplace there, those double sided, just these cool comfy chairs. And I was waiting for Poirot to come and be like, "So we found the body over at the," and then yeah, and. I would have loved that. And that actually would have been a really cool LARP for someone to do. I'm uh, sure I'm sure somebody could do that. I just, that about it, it, again, it sounds awful, right? Oh no, Jonathan thought that's a place where people are going to go and get murdered. But it just, it, it seemed, I don't know, comfortable and really cool because I'm odd and that sort of stuff makes me happy. So not the whole people Whatever dying, makes but, you happy. But I mean, Clue, the movie Clue, how can you not? It's just beautiful. Gosford Park and uh, pick any murder mystery kind of thing. We wouldn't really have to kill anyone. I don't advocate that. It's just, it just seemed as if that's what could happen there, uh, you know, uh, or someone could okay. lock that, which they should. Okay. 
because there was a whole discussion that weekend about LARPing. And so there should have been a murder mystery LARP. There are LARPs available. I, I am told. Next year, they should. Um, what was one thing that you kind of left you feeling like eh, uh, you didn't love as much? Something that could be improved, your least favorite thing? Something yeah. you want to change? Um, and again, I know no, you want to say, keep me from going and you want to block me out. But besides that. No, I think, you know, I, I think I kind of focus on the positive things. I kind of forget about the negative things mostly. Um, I think I look at, you know, my own, just my own the games that I run and the quality level and things like that. And I always think here's how I can improve things for the next time. So that's just sort of personal improvement. But as far as the convention as a whole, I would want it to kind of stay just the way it is. Cool. I have one really stupid thing, and it's just me being nitpicky and not wanting to be too inconvenient. So clearly I'm showing my privilege here. I I did not love the whole having to leave the main building to go somewhere else to go play a game. Oh, okay. Yep. I, it, it, it's it's really nitpicky, and it's not really a thing. But I, I, I seriously, I thought about it. I was like, how much do I want to go play in this game? If I didn't already sign up for it, I probably wouldn't. It was Mike Payne's game. If I didn't sign up for it, I wouldn't have gone. I would have just stayed at the hotel and been like, I don't want to walk over there. It's a huh. minute walk. It, it's so close. It's, it's I'm not so glad you didn't go last year at Mount Snow where you would have had to wait for a bus and go on a 10-minute bus ride to another campus and oh, then walk sure. down or up two flights of stairs and look around for your game. And the whole process took you a half an hour um, it, because this, that's what it was last year. And... It was because, you know, it was at Mount Snow, which is just a much bigger, so things were spread mm -hmm. out across gigantic resort. Oh, um, yeah. And so it's so much, I feel like it's so much better in that things are really close together. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's me being nitpicky. Uh, for me, the whole, uh, main thing, a main core aspect of going to a convention, for me, if I'm going to be there more than just for the day, it's staying at the place where the con is at the hotel so that i can just i can bounce back and forth and i don't really yep. have to go far i can just yep. i'm always there and always in the vibe so having to leave the main building and then go to another one kind of broke the atmosphere broke the yep. fourth wall for me a little bit yep. and i think it's one i love that because of that it made it feel more chill you didn't feel that everything was congested it wasn't claustrophobic for anyone but also i think it's better uh in that if you're someone who kind of just follows a single track so that most of the things that were out at that other building were either minis or some of the board games or whatever. So if that's all you're doing, you go there and you're there all day. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Or you're doing RPGs, you're in the main building and you're there all day. I was told in the past it was switched where yeah. minis were in the main. And um, I don't know how prevalent it was, uh, people's feelings, but I know that some people did not love minis being moved out of the main building this year what if anything comes with that i have no idea um but i think if you're just in one of those camps and that's your thing great but i'm the oddball right i'm unusual in that i'm going to cover the whole thing so i'm bouncing everywhere uh and so i realize it's just me being ridiculous but mm. that was one thing i i liked less about it. i thought oh do i really that's valid just again just because it, it like it, not that it's an illusion but it breaks that fourth wall for me it takes me out of the environment to then go back in the environment and takes a while to adjust you know like if you're working right you're doing a task they say it takes about 15 minutes from when you break away from it and come back for you to actually be fully immersed in it again where you were before uh huh. so it just it took me a while to recenter be like okay i'm at a gaming convention what am i playing now uh and just kind of get into the vibe for that but it's it's a it's a dumb thing me being nitpicky i fully acknowledge no, fair 
um, and I have no problem if anyone wants to write in and complain about me being nitpicky about it. Uh, please go ahead. I won't be the first time, nor the last, I'm sure. Um, but otherwise, what upcoming events do you have? Uh, let's see. The 16th of this month, November, we have Redemption. Can we have the? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we have Redemption Sorry, Convention in Worcester. It's going to be sort of on the small side because we already had our all-day event just this mm-hmm. past weekend, so booked out. So it'll be more of a small event. And cool. then after that, uh, you know, we might have a, a December Redemption Convention as well. Sometime like a full day thing? No, uh, it would be a night, but it's close mm-hmm. to the holidays, so we may yeah. not. Uh, it kind of depends. If not, we'll be back in January, and then it'll be... Total Con in February would be the next thing after that. I'm just kind of into the new year. Yeah, Total Con's my next one. Um, that's February 22nd to the 25th of 2024 at the Best Western Royal Plaza in Marlborough, Massachusetts. One of those uh, trade convention hotels off the highway. Um, one of the things I love about every single convention is that each is entirely its own animal. They have their own characteristics that make them unique. And, of course, there's core aspects that kind of continue from con to con. But each one is so different that you can really hone in on what you like. And so there's a con for that, not just whatever games you want to play, but the vibe you want, the experience you kind of go for. And so you can do each of the different types of uh, things. And I love that because of that, you can go to multiple and it doesn't feel that you just there's no Groundhog Day. You're not doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, they're different. They're they're. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that's the same, but they all have their own feel, and you kind of get used to what each one offers and what. Yeah, um, I look forward to all of them. Yeah, it, it, I love that they're different, and I tend to see similar people at all of them, but not always. So some people I only see at one or two cons yep. and not another. So I, I like being able to have all these different circles uh, that I get to dip my toes into from time to time. To see. Absolutely. I should say, or rather you should say, you have some games you're going to be running at TotalCon, right? Um, for people who want to sign up for those. Uh, I I do. I You don't, don't need to know what they are. What they are. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, but I'll say also that um, Wargaming Recon is officially running, but not me, uh, thankfully. Uh, it's running the LEGO Star Wars game that Saturday at 1 o'clock at TotalCon that's being run by my buddy John Caputo. I'm sure he's going to uh, have me there, too, at some point. Uh, it's going to be using Star Wars Legion rules, and it's all done with LEGO. LEGO minifigs, LEGO stuff. Game table is covered with Star Wars LEGO. I have about 200 Snow Troopers right now, 200 Rebel Hoth Troopers, Hoth. Is our thing. There's an at at I'm staring at and a variety <laughs> of things. Uh, and then this is still being worked out, but we're supposed to be doing a podcast recording uh, that Saturday at 10 or 11 in the morning. Uh, but I'm still ironing that out with everyone uh, there at the convention. But otherwise, yeah, it's going to be a mad scramble for me. I'm going to get off a plane from South America. I forgot. And go straight to the convention we'll see what ha- we'll see how that all works out but i am running games maybe on a, another cast what they are and yeah we should do that next time in. and uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it okay and then for anyone who's interested um we're on all the things as wargaming recon we have a subreddit if anyone's interested we're on blue sky recently thank you peter bryant for the invite to blue sky so if you like twitter but you don't like what elon musk has done to it you want to go on blue sky it's invite only uh so you need to find someone who has an invite we're on mastodon uh insta and i refuse to call it x but we're on elon musk's twitter 
and on the Facebook. And Pete, if anyone wants to keep up to date with all of your game writing and all that cool stuff, uh, how can they do that? Find me on Facebook. I'm Peter Bostwick on Facebook. Or come to Redemption Convention every month in Worcester and talk to me there. Or go to a convention. Find me. Yell at me. Ask me your questions. Sounds good. And I am always remiss at this because I just... I'm all about promoting other people and not our own stuff. Uh, but we have merch. If anyone is so inclined, you can go to wargamingrecon.com slash merch, I believe it is, and check that out. I, I already mentioned we have uh, buttons that'll be done at some point. And there's another piece of merch I can't talk about yet, but I am super excited about. And um, Pete, you and I can talk about it off screen. Uh, but, Sweet. Uh, I'm really, I'm, if it all works out, it'll be available for pickup, people will have to pre-order it, but it'll be available for pickup at TotalCon. Uh, so cool. more information on that, check our socials. But otherwise, thank you so much for being on this episode with me today. Thanks for having me. Love it. And I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to this episode of Wargaming Recon. Uh, you know the drill. We have all sorts of content out there. I hope you enjoy it. It's free for everyone. And no matter how busy you are, no matter how much time you are spending in your life thinking, hmm, Carnage sounds great. I can't wait to get into a game of Shadow of the Sacred Hills that Pete is running. You know that you gotta, you have to, you need to. Laugh it up, Furball. Uh, keep on keeping. Right. There we go. Are you always on the go? Why not take Wargaming Recon with you? If you use an app like Pocket Casts, you can listen to your favorite episodes of Wargaming Recon on your mobile device. This recording is released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Many thanks to Andrew and Court for inspiring the show's name. Wargaming Recon is dedicated to the memory of longtime listener Andrew. I ask all listeners to join me in a moment of silence in memory of Andrew. Wargaming Recon is sponsored by the Historical Gaming Club of Uxbridge. They meet the first Wednesday of each month at Great Stories in Wittonsville, Massachusetts. Dice drop at 7 p.m. on games spanning World War II to the Wild West and beyond. Guest demos are encouraged. All are welcome. Find them on Facebook at Historical Game Club of Uxbridge. Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by the Maine Historical Wargamers Association. They put on the Huzzah Convention. Huzzah is happening at the Doubletree in Portland, Maine from May 19th to the 21st, 2023. Come play war games featuring epic historical battles, have fun at a sci-fi and fantasy game, or dig into some board games at Huzzah. Visit mhwa.info for more information.